our guests. We are good. Put our service to the test. Tie a napkin on your neck, Shuri, and we provide the best. Hot orders, what up all? What up, yo? I don't know. Okay. Bitch ballet. Something, something. Cabaret. Oh, you jumped way ahead. <laughs> Anyways. We're here today to talk about Beauty and the Beast. If you can tell from that, like, lovely that intro. Is the best intro that we've ever done, I think possibly. What's great, too, is... I don't know. You're a better singer than I am. I once had someone tell I me... I am not a good singer. <laughs> I once had someone who's actually a friend, so their name will not be disclosed, who told me that my voice was, um, quote-unquote, interesting. <laughs> so I really like that we just, like, just went yeah, for it. Yeah, sometimes you just... If there's any song that you can just, like, bullshit your way through, it's... Disney. Disney. I think that's true. Um, I think another, like, important thing to mention about Beauty and the Beast before we just really dive into, um... Everything. Yeah, is, um, we were just, uh, watching, um, some videos, and there's this video of this <laughs> little girl where she's, like, watching the show, she's listening to Beauty and the Beast, and she's, like, he's, she's just singing to this troll bear, and then she goes, forget that, <laughs> which I think is the best description of the Beast ever, <laughs> as a troll bear. <laughs> I think, one, you're right, it's totally accurate, and two, it kind of cuts through, like, how much of our love for Beauty and the Beast was peer pressure, or being yeah. told, this is a story <laughs> that you should like. Forget that. <laughs> no, which is, I think, the accurate, I don't know. Like, That's the most accurate reactions. Yes. I will say, like, before we dive into, like, I'm a huge Disney fan. I'm a yes. huge Disney nerd. I remember in high school, we had, like, a renaissance of the renaissance, where we just, like, got together and watched, like, all the Disney Whoa. movies. Renaissance of, of the renaissance. I spent a second on that one. I really did. That was real good. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, dude, so how do we want to break this up? Why don't we first talk about the animated version? Okay. Chronologically speaking, let's start there. And, um, I don't know, let's positive, like, stuff we liked about it. Okay. I don't know, it's... Or maybe it's easier to start negative. <laughs> Let's start negative. Um, stuff we didn't like. Here's what we didn't like about the animated version. Is that Belle in the animated version is the fucking worst. She is the actual worst in the animated version. She is such a brat. She's no, so white. She, her like immediate reaction to being like, don't go in the West Wing is like, oh, at this fucking second I'm going to go in the West Wing. And then when the Beast is like, that's the one place in this whole fucking castle I told you not to go. She's like, so what? Go where I want to go. And you're like, oh. She's just like, you actually kind of want to punch her in the face in the animated version. No, I agree with that. And I felt similarly about that same scene. I also think <laughs> as much as I love um, the first song, like it's like like long and rambling and yeah. the prologue and you get this sense for a world. And the actual lyrics I kind of love, but it doesn't do a good job of presenting Belle as a character yeah. you want to root for because she's just like, oh, I'm so much better than this world. <laughs> and like, I don't know, as someone who's like, a book reader myself, I never want to be that person who's like, I'm just better than everyone who doesn't read, you know? So I, yeah. I, like, I think as a bookish, nerdy girl, there's something about Belle where I feel like I should like her more than I do, because she's the bookish, nerdy heroine, but she is kind of presented as a total brat who yes. goes in West Wings that she's not supposed to go into, and like, kind of, you don't ever see her really trying to get to know the town. She's just so over it. But I will say, like, the songs are super catchy. I'm very nostalgic about it. Like, I think the side characters in it are kind of great. Yeah. I loved The Beast. I will say, one of my, you've heard this story like a million times, but like one of my like formative <laughs> memories is 
the end of Beauty and the Beast, both my sister and I cried <laughs> when the beast turned into a man because we were like, he's so cuddly before and now he's <laughs> just this guy with long hair. And like my kind of theory that it is probably bullshit, but I have this aversion to long hair on guys and I kind of wonder. Back to Beauty and the it beast. might though. What I think I really liked as a message about Beauty and the Beast was like obviously that the animated version anyways, that Belle was like smart, so totally. like, it was like cool to be smart and that she loved someone not because of what they looked like but because of who they were. Which is a little problematic in the animated version because who the beast is in the animated version is sort of a he's, dick. He's a troll bear dick. He's a troll bear dick. Like he's not great. Um, but I do, like, I, and I don't think I picked up on how much of a dick he was as a child. No, I think that's totally so, true. So, like, as a child, I definitely clearly got the message that you love someone for who they are, not what they look like, which is an important lesson, and, but I think, like, the animated version also left me with a lot of important questions, such as, how is there a king in a castle that just, like, all of his subjects fucking forgot about when he, like, became this troll bear? And then also, <laughs> how unfair is it that, like, all of his servants also are somehow a part of this curse when, like, they, it's not their fucking fault that the, the prince is a dick, like, that has nothing to do with them, I mean, that just seems really unfair. And next question, um, also, what happened to all of the furniture? <laughs> And all of the silverware they had before <laughs> all of the servants became furniture in silverware. And if they got rid of it, what happened when they changed back into people? Next question, chip. So he has a fucking chip in his head as a cop. So then how come he doesn't have like a severe head wound? No. I, I have the same question, and it's like even more apparent in the live action one because they introduce this new character who's a piano who like yeah. uh, loses all the keys, and then when he turns back into a human, he's, he's missing his teeth. teeth. And so like, why doesn't Chip have a gash in his head? And they do answer this question slightly in the movie, in the live action movie, but in the animated movie, why is Mrs. Potts like eighty-seven years old and Chip is like five? Kelly, riddle me how that works. I have been trying to convince people for like a good solid year that this is like a scandal in the Disney community I, that they never address. Like, obviously she had a kid who wasn't ready to have a, her own child and then raise that child as her own. Yeah. And Disney just doesn't want us to focus on it. Yeah. But it's, there's just like a lot going on there. And I've got to say that I went to go see the live action movie um, with like a, like a friend, like... I was in Canada. It's a long story. Anyways, <laughs> shout out to Dane who went to this movie with me because I just the whole time was like asking these obnoxious questions about like how realistic the premise of Beauty and the Beast was and I'm pretty sure he was just like, why does it fucking matter? <laughs> <laughs> who is this girl? And why does she have so many questions about the realisticness of Beauty and the Beast? I will say, I do this too, like all the time where like someone gives me a totally outlandish basic premise like... There's a world where a sorceress exists who can turn a prince into, like, a troll bear. And I'll be like, got it? I'm with you? And then right I'll be there. like, but what about this side character who's a cup with a gash in his head? Like, he's not realistic that when he turns back into a boy, he doesn't have a severe head wound. But we're, like, totally on board with the premise that someone could turn another human being into a troll bear. 
Like, absolutely. Like, I think there's a very specific type of person who's like, yep, nope, totally got you there. It's magic. But wait, what about this other thing? Because, like, there are just certain laws of magic, and the gash in his head, like, is not solved by those rules. Of, like, bro. No, it I, could be, I guess, but it, I find it problematic. No, totally. I do think this is why we're friends, though, that we like <laughs> engage in these like deep, like hitting, hard hitting questions. Um, <laughs> the hard hitting questions of Beauty and the Beast. About Beauty and the Beast, it's true. Okay, so I feel like we've kind of covered the anime. Uh, well, I'm just like to sum up, like, because I feel like I've been maybe overly negative about the animated <laughs> version, but what I do like about it, obviously, is the music. So good. Um, yeah, and I always really liked that Belle liked to read. Is it really related no, to that? <laughs> I think there is a lot about Belle that I kind of like, and I think... That's what's yeah. great about the live action, though. So to kind of, like, switch to the live action, yes. that's um, part of what makes the live action better. And I think they could have taken it even a step further than they did. But they at least, like, developed Belle's character enough that you started to identify with her more. And you started to relate more to she, she likes to read books. She's obviously very smart. She has certain sort of progressive, um, <laughs> you know, beliefs totally. that she's like, you know, maybe there's more of an ex explanation of why she doesn't fit in in her small town. I was going to say that. Like, that, as I said, was a real issue for me with the animated movie. And what I liked about the live action, if the animated movie is like, I want more than this provincial life because I just don't like these people, it was more like, I want more uh, than this provincial life that the rest of the town wants for me in the in the live action yeah. movie, which is like a subtle nuance, which is that like it's not that she has an issue with these people, it's that she has an issue with like the role that these people want her to play. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, was a lot more compelling to me. I also think the fact that it's Emma Watson helps a lot. Well, and that was something that I almost think they relied slightly it's too much on your knowledge of who Emma Watson is as a person and as an actress. If you, like, had no idea who Emma Watson was, then it wouldn't have worked as well as it did, but because you know that Emma Watson is such a feminist leader and, like, you know, she works for the UN and she, you know... She's Hermione the... fucking Granger. Right. So you have this whole backstory and this whole idea of who Emma Watson is, and I kind of felt like they relied on that almost too much, and if you... She was just some no-name actress and you didn't... It, she could still do all of those things, but you didn't necessarily know that about her, then when you're watching the movie, like, you're definitely bringing those things with you and yeah. associating those things that you know about Emma Watson, the actress and the person, with Belle, the character in the movie. And I think they relied on that a little bit too much. And I wish they kind of did this weird thing where they had, like, one semi-backstory on Belle where they, like, weirdly magically traveled to, like, Paris, Paris and explained how Belle's mom died from the fucking um, plague. And mm -hmm. um, then they had a very brief backstory of, like, how the Beast was a good person until his mom died. And it's the servant's fault for not encouraging him to be a better person and that's part of why they're a part of the curse and both of those only really got like five minutes of screen time and i sort of wish they had just picked one I character to you. develop and spent more more do, time on do it do one and do it well yeah. as opposed to trying Doing to split both your time. and splitting your time and i felt like if they had yeah just spent like 10 minutes on one then we could have really developed Belle as a person and not relied on Emma Watson, the actress, yeah. or you could have done The Beast. Which of the two would you, if you I were given a I honestly would have preferred 
the beast me too because i felt like that was uh, that's always been a big sticking point for me is just the unfairness of like i don't fucking think it's fair that his servants and i understand like the historical perspective especially of when this whole like fairy tale would have been written originally that like servants were really people they were part of a household and so obviously they're going to be part of the magical curse because they're just objects in this house and not actual fucking people which is ridiculous yeah but i liked that they sort of tried to in, I like that they sort of tried to give that reason or give that a background and that Mrs. Potts says, yeah. like, we watched him turn into this terrible person and none of us did anything to stop it. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why we're a part of the curse now. Yeah. Um, and not that it's solely their fault, but they're partly responsible for not standing up to him or not trying to encourage him to be a better person. And um, they really didn't get into it. Like, it was very, very, yeah. like, brief. And I wish that they had given that a little bit so that you had a little bit more of who totally. the beast was and that he has, because he does have the potential to be a better person, obviously, because as he's with Belle, he becomes a better person. But. No, I totally agree with you. I'm also going to drop some pop culture knowledge for yes. you and tell you the reason that the, the staff is under a curse. So, like, for a while, Beauty and the Beast was in the works and it just wasn't quite working as a, as a story, and that was because it was just the beast interacting with Belle, and they realized that that didn't really work. And I think it was Howard Ash like one of the lyricists who was yeah. like no we have to do something to bring in like more characters to yeah. create like this family that kind of humanizes the beast and like so that's where the idea to bring in the staff came in yeah. and then there was this thing of like they're also cursed and I don't know how they ended up on household objects because <laughs> it seems slightly incongruous with like the actual beast but it was like a story because of the puns Alice because the puns, of the puns. called to her you know, <laughs> you know for me it's all about the puns yes. <laughs> so like that actually works but no I agree with you that like even though like I know the reason for the curse affecting them from it's kind of a cheap narrative play, and like it would be great to know a little bit more. And I think yes. it humanizes the beast, which is only positive. Yes. I have two really important questions for you. Okay. Okay, question number one mm. Do you feel like Belle got more than this provincial life? <laughs> like, I guess what one thing that I still hmm. find really problematic about Beauty and the Beast is like, does becoming a princess, I guess, and marrying someone who's rich. Does that really, does she escape the, like, humdrum yeah. boringness okay. of her life? Thoughts? Thoughts? Okay, I'm going to go a little <laughs> bit of a, on a tangent on this, because okay. this also kind of touches into one of, like, my problems with the animated movie. I think, yeah, I think you bring up a valid question. Arguably, no, she doesn't. Especially, she's still just married to someone. Yeah, she's still just married to It just is just the fucking beast instead of Gaston. <laughs> exactly. And, like, <laughs> in some ways, like, she would probably have more responsibilities being part of the nobility. Yeah. Um... It's also problematic because someone pointed, a friend of mine pointed out to me that actually, like, the timing of it, someone looked at it and it's right before the Revolutionary War, so she's also, like, dead. Like, the French Revolution. Yeah. Like, she and the Beast are the people that then get killed. Yeah. Um, so that's not great for her either. But no, in the animated movie especially, I think it just becomes, like, they get married. I do think the live action does a better job of showing the relationship that, like, they would have afterwards. And in part because the Beast has this ability to travel anywhere in the world, which I agree in the Paris storyline was not well used, but, like, it, it shows that he has this desire to travel, so, like, I can see them maybe traveling and, and going and on yeah. adventures together. The other big thing, and this is where I'm going on a little bit of a tangent for me, this is such a minor thing, but for me, the live action gains massive amounts of points by making the Beast literate. <laughs> <laughs> it bothers me to no 
Franco and the, in the animated movie, yes. and especially in the Broadway soundtrack, I'm a musical nerd, I listen to musicals all the fucking time at work, they do this weird-ass thing where they make it so the Beast can't read, which yeah. makes no fucking sense, because he's a prince, he would definitely know how to read. He has a huge library. He has a huge fucking library. He definitely knows how to read. And two... Like, adds this really creepy element Did where... Did he forget how to read, maybe, when he turned into a beast? Maybe. I think that's what they're going for, but it's made especially creepy in the, like, uh, the Broadway soundtrack. She's like, oh, do you want to read this book? And he was like, I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of played like he's kind of like this child, and she helps him learn how to read. And, like, okay, here's the thing. Beauty and the Beast already has bestiality. It already has Stockholm Syndrome. You do not need to add an electric complex on top of that. Yeah. That is a lot. And so I, I take real issue with that in the animated movie. And I think that what the live action does well is it does the more logical play of, of course, the Beast knows how to read. Once again, he's a fucking prince with a big-ass library. <laughs> and two, he has nothing else to do. So, like, what he does in his spare time is, like, read. read. And that's, like, kind of a bonding point for both of them. So once again, like... I get a better sense in the live-action movie of what their life would be after the curse. Yeah. And I kind of... I hope that like they would end up being this, like, traveling academic couple. I don't know for sure right. that they would be. I just don't know that she's getting adventure in the Great Wide somewhere. I don't think that she is. <laughs> I think she has a much better chance of getting it. I think there's a 50-50 chance that she gets it in the live-action and a 0% chance That's that she gets true. it in the animated action. Yeah, I, I do like that you brought up the, re the bestiality, though, because there's, like, a particular <laughs> moment in the live-action at the end where Emma Watson looks at the, like, now... Fucking Matthew from Downton Abbey version of the beast. <laughs> that's like a person, and she's like, "I think you should grow a beard." And you're like, Ew. "Just makes me feel like slightly weird on the inside." I mean, worse, but the fact, or better, depending on how you fall on this, that he then growls. <laughs> it's just like a lot, and I felt like it was a line that they didn't need to cross. No, that's true. Um, also, um, the other thing that I really didn't like about the live action, um, is sort of they kind of made a big deal out of, um, oh, like, LeFou is actually an explicitly gay, gay character, yeah. yeah, and there's, like, this explicitly gay moment, this is a first for Disney, and we're embracing it, and blah, 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 and it was the smallest, I know. and it was so, like, so just, I don't know, I just felt like there was opportunities to make it much better, and, um, I think the actor, Josh <coughs> Gabb. Yeah, did a really great job playing LeFou, and, and he was a really awesome character, but... Um, they gave him a lot of screen time to develop, yeah. like a surprising amount, oh, but yeah, right. no, he did a good job with it. Um, but I mean, I also think that like, if you're, uh, they sort of used that to advertise the movie in a way that I was uncomfortable with, because it really didn't amount to much in the movie, like, there's like one moment at the end, like, he's obviously in love with Gaston the whole yeah. movie, and then there's one moment at the end where he, like, meets this other guy and kind of, like, winks at him, and then they, like, have a connection, but there's, it's not... They dance it, for, like, a second. Right, it's, it's not, like, a major plot line in the movie, and so I guess they're, the whole aspect of them trying to sell it really hard is, like, this explicitly gay moment. Yeah. Watch, like, we're finally supporting, like, you know, the LGBTQ community and, like, hooray for us, like, felt, like, kind of, like, overdone to me because it was really, like, a very minimal plot line. No, totally. <laughs> Disney sometimes is, like, big on announcing things that it's doing, and they're always more minor than they actually are. But, like, yes. Frozen, for all, uh, it got way overhyped after a certain point, but one thing I loved about Frozen 
is like the story was actually kind of progressive. Like they did something unique and interesting with it. And the first time I read about it wasn't Disney saying like, hey, look at us. We did something so cool. It was like, I think a Jezebel article that was like Frozen did something really interesting. Like Disney, yeah. wait for the movie to come out. Wait, wait for other people to say, hey, you did really well with that. Right. As opposed to like touting your own horn. Yeah, but like Disney is also an organization that still continues to have the it's a small world ride at fucking magic kingdom and like i'm sorry but that's just the most racist <laughs> like i don't know if you've ever been there or no been i on haven't that ride. but like i am a flabbergasted that that is so allowed to exist in this century and i think that we should all just think about that and just accept that like disney is not as progressive an organization as sometimes they try to no i think i think that's absolutely true they try to walk a line and this was a perfect yes. example of them trying to walk that line yes. um okay my second question as a follow-up to the did she get out of this provincial life yeah. um, is that do you think that Belle actually loves the Beast? Or a Stockholm Syndrome is like too, it, too easy of a, like, it brushes it off and it's maybe not Stockholm Syndrome. But, but like, it's like intense circumstances that bring them together. Right. And like does she, is this actually a relationship that can be maintained long term? Or is this like, uh, if we flash forward five years, like, are the Beast and Belle still together? Honestly, I have a little, in some ways I have a little bit more faith with the live action, because, like, you see the commonalities and a little bit of, like, what they would be like as a couple afterwards. Yeah. Like, they'd be reading together and traveling together. And also a little bit less because of that moment where she makes him fucking growl at the end. <laughs> where it's like, how much did you love him because he's, like, a fucking beast? I don't know. Like, she's I do. a furry. Um. I guess. <laughs> I will say, like, I think Emma Watson was really quick to be like, oh, no, it's not a love story about Stockholm Syndrome, but it kind of is. And I think that's part of it, why there was always a cap on how good the live-action movie would be, because Beauty and the Beast, it was already kind of modern from a starting point, and then how do you get rid of the Stockholm Syndrome? And they just didn't even try to get rid of it. Right. I don't know. Are they still together? 50-50 chance. I think they, like, probably had at least 10 good years together, and then, like, their differences got in the way. What are, what's your take? I don't know. I guess I just, like, I'm still... I get that there's more character development, and there is more of a relationship development in the live action, but I'm still just not sold on the idea. I just... If Belle truly is someone that wants the adventure in the Great Wide, not to be stuck on the adventure in the Great Wide somewhere, yeah. but if she wants more, and, like... I guess I just want to see Belle as a character that's not going to be satisfied um, living in a castle. Yeah, living in a castle, being someone's wife. And not that there's anything wrong with that decision, but just the whole story starts based on that premise that she's she's book smart and she wants to travel and she wants to do more than that and she wants to be more than that and she wants her life to have a meaning that's kind of beyond a family life and again there's nothing wrong with like wanting to have a family life but she expresses that explicitly in a song no that's and her, then her, it, literally her i wish yes. song for herself and so then like i just don't know that like you get trapped in this castle with a fucking troll bear, and then you, like, fall in love with him, apparently. And so then you're like, this is my adventure in the Great White somewhere. Like, I just don't know how long that's going to last for, and how long are you going to enjoy living in the castle being someone's wife. Yeah. One, I totally... Before that also starts to feel like you're trapped. Yeah. No, one, I think you've raised a really valid point, and two, I have a solution for you. 
you changed the words of I want adventure in the great wide somewhere to I want adventure with a great wide <laughs> troll pair. <laughs> forget that. And it's, and it's sold. Forget that. It's like, you know, forget that. Um, no, <laughs> just <it's>... be single. <laughs> no, and then like we solved it. We solved Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Um, so there's one last thing that I actually liked about the, the live action. Um, and it has less to do with the live action itself and more to do with like the discussions that the live action prompted. So what I did like about um, like the live action movie coming out is that it forced me to read more about a Howard Ashman. He was like the composer and lyricist that wrote all of the... He was lyricist. He's a super compelling person. Um, he wrote the songs of our childhood, basically, because he yeah. wrote all the songs of Little Mermaid, all the songs of Beauty and the Beast, half the songs of Aladdin. And the reason he only wrote half the songs is that... He died of AIDS? Yeah, he was diagnosed with AIDS, like, right before he started writing Beauty and the Beast. And so a lot of people have been reading really hard into yes. Beauty and the Beast and saying, like, this is an allegory for his life. And his sister actually came out and said, like, listen, like, my brother loved Beauty and the Beast. It was a, it was a labor of love for him. It was his project. And but yes, it's not that deep. <laughs> no, it's not. He didn't write it as an allegory. That being said, I do think, like, certain things he experienced informed certain songs. And a little bit also that dynamic of the servants being cursed. Because, like, the idea is that, like, he would have a personal understanding of what it's like to see how a curse or a disease, like, affects the people around you, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then a perfect example of it. Which is sort of a sweet way to think that the beast loves his servant. Because in the animated movie I don't know that you get that yeah. which is also and you only kind of get a little bit of it in the live action which is why I agree with you that it would have been good to dive into it with greater depth yeah. um, but I will say like just knowing that history one it made me learn about a really compelling and interesting and talented man who I you know I was like two when this came out I wasn't thinking <laughs> about this at all at that time obviously um, and two, it made me care about songs that I never cared about before. Like, yeah. the mob scene song yeah. is a lot more compelling where, like, that's a perfect example of a song where I would be shocked if, like, his experience, both as, like, a gay man as known as a man, like, dealing with and ultimately dying from AIDS did not inform that song about, like, people being scared of the unknown, you right. know? Like, and so, like, that's a song that I literally could have, like, taken or left before, and as soon as I heard, knew that story, like, became, like, very emotional for me, and I appreciate it. So if live action didn't quite live up to the animated movie in a lot of ways, like, at least it prompted me to go back and read about Howard Ashman. Right. Well, and just to summarize, and I think we've both said this, but I also, there's a big part of me that wonders if I would have enjoyed the live action as much if I hadn't grown up on the yeah. animated version. Like, there's a certain element of nostalgia. Absolutely. I would say, and I think I've said this, like, uh, to you, like, if, like, the animated movie ran on magic, which it absolutely did, certain scenes, like, a Be Our Guest are just magical in the yeah. animated movie, the live action movie ran on nostalgia. Like, there were certain yeah. things where... You got to, in some ways, experience the story for the first time, and also through the lens of the animated movie. I don't know. Yes. So do you think you would have liked it if you had, like, never seen the animated movie? No. I don't think, honestly, <laughs> I don't think I would have cared. Do you think you would have been like, why the fuck am I looking at this troll bear? <laughs> Who is this water buffalo troll bear, and why do I give a shit about him? Yeah. I, like, might have seen it because of Emma Watson, but then I would have been like, oh... Good thing I spent 10 Canadian dollars on this. <laughs> um, no, that's fair. That's totally fair. Great discussion about troll bears. Follow us on uh, Instagram. Alice, yes. we're like being real people now with a podcast. So follow us on Instagram. Find us on iTunes. 
I like uh, the implication that like the first 27 years of our lives, we weren't real people. Specifically yeah. Specifically, we didn't have podcasts. <laughs> Subscribe. Do things that podcast people say. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye.